Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, May 16th, and I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How is it going, my friend? Going to sleep last night, I had a very difficult decision to make, looking at the weather radar with about 50 millimeters of rain in the form of thunderstorms predicted for Monday, um, it being the bike-to-work season. Um, The estimated time of arrival for said rain was around 4 or 5 p.m., and I had a seven-hour estimate on my workday, which means very little, to be honest. Uh, So I rolled the dice, I biked to work, uh, in the morning, check-in, seeing it was still at 4 or 5. And uh, on the way to our job, which was on the other side of the city, we someone wanted to stop for breakfast, said stop for breakfast, took us off our route, took us a good 10 minutes to figure that out. Uh, midway through the day, Timmy's run from the clients and uh, the cigarette smoker on our team wanted to take a coffee break outside Uh, someone then wanted timmy's for lunch as well so all that to say we took about 45 minutes in break time every second of which was kind of agony for me and then we finished our day around 4 p.m and the sky is just so dark and it was a drive all the way back across the city in the darkness the rain still hadn't hit yet and i was just like twitching is it gonna come like five six seven millimeters which is a lot for our mostly american listeners um (laughs) i was looking at the weather radar map like looking at all those red spots like come on you fuckers wind blow the right way and somehow i made it home dry (laughs) yes sir all right clap it up for max yeah big moment big that was that was the highlight of my day or maybe it was the 75 dollar tip i'm not sure there's something to be said now this is a little off topic but not really is there like there's not much greater in the world when you can sit outside on your porch and watch a thunderstorm from mm-hmm. the safety of your own, your own home i really love doing that uh obviously it's a lot more stressful when you think you're going to be in said thunderstorm but once it arrived did you partake in in that moment Oh yeah. When I got home and 20 minutes later heard that thunder, like that's the high I'm still riding. Um, Nice. Nice. Yeah. I love that feeling of the cool air coming in too, because it's clearing out all the humidity. It's a great, great time. Uh, No, I'm still in a tank top. I'm fucking dying here. (laughs) You must have some nice AC going with that long sleeve or maybe the COVID's keeping the body temperature. yeah, oh, the I got sleeves the, are rolled up. I got the sleeves rolled up. Uh, my girlfriend just tasted, tested negative, breaking news. Hey. So, so the vibes <laughs> are still good. On that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Has it been 30 minutes? I, I think that line's coming in a bit. <laughs> Don't stress me out, buddy. Don't stress me out. The vibes are good. We're keeping the positive vibes. These vaccines. Hey, no, the negative vibes. You're keeping the I, negative vibes. Exactly. I was hyping up the vaccines all week only to test <laughs> positive on Thursday, but hopefully they can they can keep it strong here in this household and uh, be able to look forward to, for our American listeners, our long weekend next weekend before Memorial Day, the weekend before Memorial Day, we celebrate Victoria Day uh, for our lovely uh, matriarch. <laughs> uh, past matriarch. 
Yes, but so we love them now. all equally. We love them all equally. <laughs> yes. God save the queen. <laughs> okay, we've 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 derailed the pod long enough on thunderstorms and and royalty. Let's uh let's get to the good stuff, shall we? Lots of game sevens to talk about. Some good, some bad, some very bad uh, for those of us on the podcast. And uh, yeah, just across NBA and NHL and maybe finish up with a little bit of tennis. But Max, without further ado, two game sevens on Sunday in the National Basketball Association that, to be honest, were a bit of a letdown but still equally as exciting in the storylines that it produced and have me very pumped for the conference finals. So let's start in chronological order here. The Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics starts off very exciting. Giannis going to the moon, outproducing everyone on the floor. He's an alien. Uh, And then from then on, I think it was a, 45 to 29 run up until the start of the fourth quarter for the Boston Celtics. And they just put this game away. The home court advantage is something that you got to play for in the regular season. And many thought that the Bucks did build some negative karma by trying to dodge the Brooklyn Nets in the first round. As a result, they land in the three seed and they had to go on the road for game seven. And as a result, the Celtics get a all-time role player game from some of their guys and managed to rain threes upon Milwaukee and, and walk out of there with a massive win and uh, a huge, huge moment for Tatum. I know the last time we talked was game six was just about to start. He had an all-time historic game and, and he's really established himself and put himself on the map as a top five top six guy in the league now and in a really fun series that didn't have the most climactic ending, but, but still really fun. Max thoughts. Yeah. Um, that game feels close compared to the game we're about to talk about Giannis. It, it was almost like he burnt out too early. I, I think I remember mm-hmm. seeing a stat like 10 minutes through the first quarter that he had either scored or assisted every point for Milwaukee. And that kind of production is simply not sustainable uh, as impressive as it was while it lasted and a historic ridiculous game for the Celtics role players, but one, the bucks handed them on a platter Uh, grant Williams taking 18 plus three point shots. I, I don't know what the final total was. And as far as I remember, none of them were poorly advised shots. They were pretty much all wide open catch and shoots or at the very least a uh, fake to um, get the defender to bite and then take his time setting up the three. They were all well-advised shots. And he, I mean, he knew coming into this game, what, looks would be there for him this game because they'd been there for them him all series and he's simply too good of a player on too good of a team with too good of teammates uh, to not hit those shots I think of course it goes without saying that this series would have been different with Chris Middleton in it but just looking at that Bucks defensive strategy of yeah we're gonna give up open looks to this team that can shoot the three ball pretty well and force players other than brown and tatum to make shots that makes a lot of sense when you can 
push the pace offensively and set a scoring for them to match and the pressure builds. But when all of your offense comes through one player, um, you, it's just a recipe for disaster. Mike Budenholzer kind of notorious for not making adjustments. And I don't think that's the sort of change you can make on the fly. Like, okay, throw out our whole defensive philosophy. We're going to do something else now. Um, go, it worked some games in this series, so it, it wasn't a complete disaster. But I, hindsight's twenty twenty. It just... When I say it out loud, it sounds so stupid to me and it seems like a joke that they actually attempted it. Uh, Credit where credit's due though, like just that, not alone. The two other really big keys for the Celtics, one, Brown and Tatum had the games they needed to have. Uh, I think Jalen Brown, probably the bigger player in game seven than Jason Tatum, though Tim had a ridiculous start, especially with that three-point shooting. I think he was four for four. I just thought Brown pushed the ball, attacked the basket consistently better and opened the floor up for the Celtics. And second, I they didn't make him invisible, but they shut down Giannis as well as any team can uh, through the last three quarters. The Bucks got a bit of action off of him in Holiday running the pick and roll. Uh, but they made him stagnant and Milwaukee unable to generate any other offense. So congratulations to the Celtics on stepping up in the moments that were provided to them. They needed to hit their biggest players were there. Their defense was fantastic. And I think the better team won this series and is are probably going to go take the Eastern conference finals. Yeah. And, and we'll get to that series preview, uh, but make a great point. Uh, Giannis, a guy who we didn't think could get tired, looked tired late in that series, and you don't blame him, right? No. He looked he looked gassed in the second round series against Brooklyn last year. That was an absolute bloodbath, um, and even more so with no Chris Middleton. It was his job to carry this team night after night, and you could just see it near the end. He settled a little bit more for the jump shot, and he missed some very uncharacteristic layups. He missed about yeah. three or four layups which is which you never see and so boston did a remarkable job on that i think the cost of that is i would very heavily favor miami in game one um we've just seen it in the past where you come off of this huge seven game emotional physically draining war and you step right in on the road especially to a miami team that's definitely a little fresher if not they do have their injuries, but just it's so tough to come back from that. And so I could see Boston very well giving up game one. And if they don't, then that is a really bad sign for Miami. Um, they, they really need to win this first one. And then in this modern NBA, you choose, right? With everyone on the floor being able to shoot nowadays, you basically choose the guy, the fifth guy who you're willing to give up the shots. And that was Grant Williams who made a game seven tying record, seven threes. And that was Derek white who made two big threes late in the third uh, to just keep propelling Boston in the right direction and building their momentum. And um, there's the, like, you can't plan a defense to take away everything. You have to give up something. And the thing that they gave up burnt them in game seven. And if you're Milwaukee, you you actually, as much as it sucks, um, it's, kind of what you drew up and you live with Grant Williams taking 18 threes. He just ended up knocking a bunch of them down and, and you go home and 
you regroup, hopefully with Middleton, there's not much movement that this team can necessarily do. You saw Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton struggling to defend at times in this series. So maybe you're looking for one more wing defender. PJ Tucker was a big piece that they lost this offseason, and it's going to be difficult for them to replace that. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated to see the moves that Milwaukee makes because they got to continue to push with Giannis being the best player in the world right now. Yeah, they'll always be a contender just with him and really go as far as he can take them, and they just have to put the right pieces. I just quibble a bit with your point about the defense i think you can choose to give up a lot less than the bucks chose to give up and part of that choice is how much lopez is on the floor and what he's doing and offensively he kept them in this game the celtics might have run away with it a lot quicker than they did if he hadn't had the second chance points and just been the bully in the paint that the size advantage he has lets him be but um defensively just some embarrassing three second calls against him and um I, I don't know i i think the celtics team just as shoots the ball too well like one through eight for that kind of defensive strategy i i think grant williams that was a poor choice and um yeah well we move on here to the eastern conference finals I am picking the Boston Celtics in seven games, even despite them most likely giving up this game one because of the fact that Tatum has taken this big leap. A Tatum versus Butler is, I'd say, pretty uh, counterbalanced, and, and they are going to equal each other out. I just think Boston's defense um, and their optionality to be able to go to a guy like Jalen Brown and and be able to go – and rely on an Al Horford. Rob Williams is going to have a much bigger impact in this series, having to defend a Bam Adebayo, having to defend um, whoever else that Miami's really going to throw out there. Uh, and and it just we said like the winner of this Boston Milwaukee series probably going to the finals, and they played a really tough physical series, and I just think they have more of the versatility to deal with Miami than any other team that Miami has encountered so far. Uh, really, really fascinating series though. A rematch of 2020 with very, two very different teams now. Yeah. I really haven't given much thought at all to either um, of the upcoming series for this Miami Celtics one. Um, I feel like the Heat are the type of team that raise and fall with their level based on their opponents, Uh, that dog mentality kind of. And the 76ers, like that Embiid-centric style of play, I think probably lulled Miami. And this Celtics team will make them a better team. So I'm a little hesitant to like give, but like my gut was the Celtics having watched each team play. But you pointed out the Celtics might come out cold to start this series. And the more I think about it, the more I do expect to see this heat raise the level of play that they showed with the confidence they have from that series win coming back a few years uh, with this team just gets better as they keep playing and the, they're going to rise to the challenge. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just to be the contrary and I'll pick the heat. All right. There you have it. Let's move on to the Western Conference where 
We got a doozy in game seven in Phoenix, a historic regular season team. This could be one of the worst losses in the history of the NBA playoffs, just in terms of expectations, performance, and then the ultimate outcome. And while a lot of the story has been on the terrible play of Phoenix, and obviously so, it was an egg to be the egg of all eggs. Chris Paul, non-existent, obviously dealing with an injury. Like that was, it was just a given. Um, and, and Devin Booker, a fine game, but in a game seven, there's just got to be more, quite frankly. And DeAndre Ayton only played 17 minutes. Monty Williams saying after the game reasons being it's internal. Uh, that's not always a good sign. But you turn around and you look at this Dallas Mavericks team, man. Like Boston had the best record after the trade deadline. Dallas had the second best record in the league after the trade deadline. They have ratcheted up the defense and it looks like Doncic is like he's now, this is the furthest into an NBA season he's played. So he's actually played himself into even better shape than he's ever been at. Right. Cause he's just playing more games and he's, <laughs> and he, we saw it. He's unlocked that level in the playoffs. He is the second uh, leading scorer in NBA playoff history by average, only behind Michael Jordan. Obviously, not as many games, not nearly as many games played, but really impressive stuff from him in the series. I think he was 32, nine and a half, and eight or something, just off the charts, and really has unlocked what he wants to do in every single look on the court. And add on top of that, a 30 piece by Spencer Dinwiddie off the bench. Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney-Smith playing excellent defense um, and and then them just being able to space the floor and really pick the Phoenix Suns apart with their shooting. And then when they need something, it's Brunson or Donch. It's creating. Uh, it's, it's really, really cool. And there's not much to actually say about the game itself because it was such a wash, but uh, Phoenix is in – very big trouble with how they want to move forward with their roster. And Dallas, you got to be licking your chops. This is a very beatable Golden State Warriors team in the Western Conference Finals here. And and we could very easily see Luka emerging as, as the next great young player to take his team to the finals. Last person to do it at 23 was, of course, LeBron James. Wow. Yeah, I... This Phoenix Suns team did not live up to the expectations of what they could play, but they didn't come out flat. They came out and got beat down by the Mavericks and could not for their life figure out how to get back up. Um, all the credit has to go to the Dallas Mavericks uh, mm-hmm. for this before you start talking about the poor performance of the Phoenix Suns. So let's talk about the first eight points Luka Doncic uh, scored to just set the tone for this game. Let's talk about how DeAndre Ayton and uh, Mikael Bridges, two excellent defenders, were putty. Like, at his mercy, the step-back yeah. threes. Sure, he's going to get a couple of those, but the post points? He's posting yeah. up DeAndre Ayton. He's hitting Mikael Bridges with the spin moves and getting clean looks at the rim. That was... Like, honestly, up the magnitude not quite there. But in terms of how impressed I was, like, the only thing I can cast my mind back to in recent memory was Giannis's uh, ring-winning 50-point game. But it was just absurd from Luca. 
the three-point confidence um the most terrifying thing you can imagine as an away fan that alone might have been enough to win the Mavericks this game but when Dinwiddie comes off the bench and plays as well as Luka did at least in terms of three points confidence and shooting and Brunson not his best game of the playoffs but at the average that he's set which is a lovely lovely contribution for the Mavericks and then just so many open looks created for this team and all of them hitting their threes uh whether it was Kleba, Finney Smith, Bullock, like the gravity of those three that I just mentioned created so many open looks for the rest of this team and they were in rhythm. And then I have no idea what the Phoenix Suns were trying to run offensively because it, they just got nothing going. And again, you have to give credit to this Mavericks defense first. Uh, double teaming Booker really seems to take him out of this game the only things he could get were when the Mavericks weren't set in their defense and coming up there was a bit of space if that was there he was able to attack the rim um, but other than that nothing for him I'll give credit one more time for Luca for playing excellent defense against Booker um, Booker's first drive to the rim Luca fouls him he hits his two free throw shots I think he was like 0 for 3 at that point in the game and then two or three times that same quarter um, a pretty similar sequence where Booker has some space drives to the rim and so much credit to Luca who gets his hands up keeps his feet moving and deters the shot without the body contact that drew him that foul uh, it, I was really impressed with like obviously this Mavericks defense uh, you can we can do a podcast on, but uh, we've talked about Luca dragging that down. And I thought in this game seven, he really stepped it up and contributed there. Chris Paul looked terrified to shoot a three point ball in the first half. I, I don't know what that was because he was hitting them and making them earlier. So it wasn't like last year where he had that hand or shoulder injury. Uh, but just a couple looks that were there for a second and you saw him deferring and yeah, Aiton in a bit of foul trouble. I will talk about his future in a second, but um, all series, he was just nowhere really near what we thought he could maybe do, uh, especially in this game, the 17 minutes, I guess, part of why I didn't really notice him. And yeah, the this Phoenix Suns scoring 40 points in the fourth quarter, and that was almost half of their points. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they had 30-something points in the third quarter. That, like the first quarter, I was like, I can't call it for Dallas yet, right? Halftime, maybe there's a chance. And then four minutes into the third quarter, it was over. Well, it was the run to end the half where yeah. it was 20 and it became 30 in the last two minutes there with a Luca step back three, a Dinwiddie three, um, and, and Luca just smiling in their face the yeah. whole time. Unbelievable that he backed up the uh, people want to act tough when they're up statement after game five, and he just absolutely delivered on it. And that's the learning curve is they had two game sevens against the Clippers uh, against tried and true performers that they 
lost very in very tough situations and they take that they take the scars and they go into a game seven against this phoenix suns team on the road and and they just destroy them and it's a ugly ugly blemish on a pretty tattered chris paul legacy playoff resume and now as phoenix you turn and look at your roster and you say we got nothing out of our backup point guard we don't necessarily have the secondary scoring. It's it's Booker and then by committee. And DeAndre Ayton is not it's they very obviously made it known that he they're not paying him a lot of money. And he's going to ask for it. And so it is going to be most likely a move unless he's willing to take less. And I think that is a distressed asset that a lot of teams could instantly vault themselves into a contender category if they get their hands on him. Um, he is the peak of what you want out of a modern NBA center. And that doesn't make him a max player, but it makes him immensely valuable. And I, I just think if, if Chris Paul 38 next year, you don't address the other needs on your team and DeAndre Aiden goes out the door, uh, we could see this Phoenix Suns team precipitously fall from a historic season into the the play-in territory yeah and maybe it's not that shocking looking at where they were at not that long ago <clears throat> everything lines up for a short while and then the wheel of time just keeps on turning i i do think Aiden will probably get offered a max contract by a couple teams just by how there's little he can't do enough that he's not really a liability and uh, the potential is just going to be too enticing with so many teams lacking at that center position. And uh, I, yeah, I don't think the Suns will match it, um, but maybe they'll feel the pressure too. Uh, but then that runs its whole own risk because you're right. He's not, he doesn't perform at a level to be worthy of that max right now. Yeah. Uh, last thing, fourth MVP of the Mag- Mavericks, Patrick Beverly. <laughs> oh, I saw this too. Phenomenal oh my goodness, stuff. My guy. This league is crazy. Woke up early, just to get drive to the studio and slander Chris Paul, <laughs> and I loved every minute of it. <laughs> so incredibly disrespectful, Matt uh... Barnes calling him out. But uh, hey, that's. You got to pay the price when you lose a game like that. And, and when you Beverly play the way saying you no one, yeah, no one's scared of the Suns. Chris Paul is a cone on defense. No one's, uh, no one's coming out and slamming Devin Booker after this game. I'd say there's a fair number of people, just okay. not as publicly. No one's coming out and trying to drag Devin Booker over the coals, pour salt in those burning <laughs> wounds, and then hang him up naked for and stream it on Twitch. To go back and watch Game of Zones because there's some good Patrick Beverly moments in that as well. He, he that's all time stuff. Yeah, from Patrick I, Beverly. I, I remember the one where KD is holding court and Beverly tries to entice him to the Clippers. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, CP's defense, uh, which Beverly probably harped on the most on his uh, rant, definitely a huge part of the Mavericks' easy offense. I thought they actually could have attacked Paul a lot more than they did. There were a ton of times where they had a Brunson, had a Luca on him, and it's just like, get these guys in the mid-range, and like you are happy with that shot selection. 
I, I think they were wary of his ability to draw fouls there. Uh, and he was playing very physical from the three-point line. But uh, <laughs> just had to throw that bit in there because yeah. actually that was about half of uh, the NBA Reddit, just different takes from Beverly. It was great. It was really great. So we take a look here at the Western Conference Finals. And I, you know what? I'm I'm all the way in. I'm yeah. going with Dallas. Wow. I think I think it's going to be Dallas in seven. I think the physicality of Luka is going to be really tough for this Warriors team that had a difficult time containing John Morant. And they just don't have the wing defender. Like Clay Thompson is going to get bullied. Um, Andrew Wiggins is going to get bullied. He's going to give up a ton of weight in that matchup. And it, it may end up being Draymond Green who gets that assignment. But then who's going to guard the rest of these other Mavericks guys? And and meanwhile, on the other side, Dorian Finney-Smith, Reggie Bullock, Jalen Brunson are all guys you trust to handle uh, Curry and Poole, which are the main, main creators off the dribble for this team. And the Mavericks coaching staff did a great job against Phoenix, a really like special coaching job done by Jason Kidd and his staff against the coach of the year, Monty Williams. And I think they're going to have something drawn up to really let Draymond. He, there are going to be some snapshots from this series of Draymond with no one around him for 20 feet. And that is going to be the guy they're going to make beat them. And I'm really, really fascinated to see how this series is going to go. I'm curious to see how long Looney's going to be out on the court because you know very quickly this series is going to turn small ball uh, with Kleba and Draymond being the largest guys on the floor when it comes down to it and it's going to be really, really fun. Lots of creative creativity, um, very different in the way that Dallas is heavy ISO or finding, picking out mismatches. Whereas golden state is that more free flowing off ball action. Um, and, and those styles are going to contrast in an interesting manner. And without Krista Porzingis to pick on by these teams, Dallas has turned into a really strong defensive team. And I think they can pull it out again because Luca has very easily the potential to be the best player in this series. Um, and it's going to be him or Curry that ultimately decide this one. Or Poole. Uh, I do think I see this as the best offensive team of this playoffs versus the best defensive team of this playoffs. Conventional wisdom good offense beats good defense Uh, but I'm riding with you on the Mavericks on this this team has just been too fun to watch through these two series Uh, overcoming the Luka injury toughing it out without him getting through against Utah going down 0-2 against the Suns yes that's the second time the Suns have been up 2-0 and then dropped it at least they pushed it to seven this time Um, but yeah I Luca all the way get me on that hype train baby that really makes me nervous because it feels like the recency bias has everyone picking Dallas now and Golden State's a team that we don't forget won three titles in in five years so uh or in four years pardon me so really really interesting to see uh, lots to break down when it gets underway Eastern Conference Finals start tomorrow and then the Western starts on Wednesday We move into hockey here, where emotion running high for sure on Saturday night as the Toronto Maple Leafs once again come up short and once again let the clown song play and the makeup wash down 
uh, your tear-stricken cheeks as all of Leafs Nation cried out once again in despair. Another Game 7 loss. They're now 0-10 in series-clinching games uh, in their last 10 attempts. And they are the first team in North American sports history to lose in a series-defining game in five straight years. I think it was just a first-round exit in five straight years. Yes. Yes. In a series clinching game. It, it, it it's, 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 it's unfathomable. It's unspeakable. There's no more words to describe the feeling. Um, we didn't do a reaction podcast because both of us were, were just done. I went to bed immediately after, didn't want to deal with it. And I'm surprisingly feeling a lot better today because this was not a Leafs loss of epic, disastrous, ridiculous proportions. This was a team that was right there neck and neck with a, with the two-time defending Stanley cup champion outplayed them in many games should have won this series multiple times. And when you come up one goal short, when you're giving that effort, it just, it doesn't burn the same way that, last year did and the years before and it there's just so much different chatter last year was a lot of blow it up this year it's let's retool and come back stronger and max i'm interested to hear your thoughts on the game and then more what the direction of this team is going to be moving forward yeah uh, roughly i feel okay with it uh, going in against the two-time stanley cup defending champions i did not have super high hopes and expectations the level of play the Leafs brought to this series did against um, my better sensibility fuel some of those hopes and expectations which peaked somewhere around the two minute mark of or excuse me the 18 minute mark of the second period of game six and then deflated right around the 10 minute mark of game three excuse me the 10 minute mark of the third period of the same game this game seven, though, I, we were in it, but we were just so clearly not the better team. It, it was going to take such a miracle, such a fluky puck bounce, and then a level of defensive consistency against a furious team that I just couldn't really imagine pulling it off. Uh, so I ended up watching with a sense of resignation. Andre Vasilevsky had the game we knew he was capable of all series and had been dreading all series. Um, but ultimately it was the shot block. So the, yeah, this lightning team high danger set such a clinic yeah. and I hope stamped it into the minds of the Maple Leafs of what it looks like when a team is ready to win a game seven. And uh, the thing I reassure myself about most is you look at this lightning team's timeline, they draft Stamkos, Hedman in what, like 08, 09? Yeah. Yeah. They start making their playoff runs. I guess they um, got against the Rangers and the, did they make it to the finals or did they lose against the Rangers in the conference finals in like 2015? They lost in the conference finals, but they may have made it to the finals earlier than that. I feel like it's all a blur now. Yeah. I think they played Chicago in one of their one of the finals. There. Okay. 
Um, well, they don't win a cup for about 10 years after they start that drafting process. And yeah. if you want to peg Riley as that player for us, fair enough. Um, who I thought had a great game seven, by the way. Uh, and there's still time. Uh, we have a young core. They are on. We've locked them up. Uh, the only thing that distresses me about this team is Johnny Tavares, who I think you can say is probably getting worse in some regards every year at this point, better in others. I think the steadiness of play, the face-offs, all great things, but um, that that's the only time bomb we have on this team. And I think that game seven, the Lightning played against the Islanders last year, something they learned and grew from that was incredibly evident in this game seven against the Leafs. And I hope that's what we see from this Leafs team. Um, I, they didn't have a colossal, embarrassing collapse that's going to weigh on their psyche and make them the mockery of Leafs Nation. Um, they had a chance to win this series, weren't quite able to push the boot on the throat deep enough, and then were met with a fierce resistance and comeback that simply took them out of their depth. Uh, they got taken to the deep waters at a state they haven't been. I think they will learn and grow from that. I hope to see Jack Campbell remain at about the ability he's been in. I hope to see a bit of retooling. And I think if all that happens, we'll have a better team next year and a better shot. And yes, it is clown makeup on, honk your red nose, as you say, but we'll for sure get them next year. But how can this team not get better after a year like this? Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, this is this is the this is every year it's a similar franchise defining moment and what they end up doing next year dictates how they react to this now. My so, off-season checklist is as follows. Take another swing at your platoon goaltender. It's not Peter Mrazek, so who's it going to be with Jack next year? I think they're actually pretty set on D for next year. Yeah. A lot of these guys are all going to be back. They've got they've got eight there with Sandine and Lilligren, who are going to be everyday players next year. Yeah. So maybe that means one of Hall or Giordano is gone, most likely. That's kind of where it seems to be for me. And then after that, it's people are discussing the possibility of moving John Tavares to the wing. Um, I could see him very well being a Joe Pavelski type where Pavelski has extended his career four or five seasons now by scoring a ridiculous amount of goals in front of the net. And I think Johnny can be a great finisher. We saw that when Marner was on his line, I think he just needs another play driver and maybe that's Nylander and maybe it's someone you get in place of Nylander. That would be the guy who's expendable at this point on the roster. Um, but there's just not enough secondary creation. We saw it in this series. Mikheyev, Engvall, Kerfoot, Camp is not there to score. Um, these guys are just – if Tavares is not the play driver, which he's not at this point in his career, then you need more play drivers around him. And so that is going out and getting your version of Taylor Hall or Claude Giroux at a trade deadline like these teams have done. It is going out and getting a Nick Paul, a Brandon Hagel, a Blake Coleman, uh, maybe it's a Phil Kessel, but 
that is that is where the next need of this team lies where Kyle has to just adjust the volume one extra tick and then you, you run it right back because Austin showed up Mitch showed up Johnny and Willie showed up in the role that you expect them to it took them a couple games but again a couple different bounces and this series is yours and they're moving on and who knows what happens from there it obviously never seems to go the Leafs way but it feels like they're right there you can't get much closer and I don't really know what needs to be done beyond that, but it just sucks that we have to wait a whole another year to see what this team can do. The one other thing I really liked about game seven is that it, I mean, it does kind of sting, but it was a Nick Paul who won this game for the Tampa Bay lightning. It wasn't Nikita Kucherov. It wasn't Steven Stamkos. God bless the heart of Braden point, but it also wasn't him. Uh, It wasn't a Victor Hedman. Um, we shut down their top guys and the goals came through the margins and that's essentially what they did to us. And it was their secondary scoring that had the comparative advantage over ours uh, in the big game. So yeah, it, it, it is funny because I feel like the last few years we have been saying, okay, we've got the forwards, we need the goaltending, we need the defense. And now it's, we've got the defense. The goaltendings is confident as you can really be in goaltending um now we're back to the forwards yeah camp was big for us early and other than that not a whole lot from our bottom six throughout this series so maybe that's it yeah now the Um, argument can be made we look at the other game sevens across the league connor mcdavid artemi panarin johnny gaudreau all having series signature moments that led their teams into the next round. But then you take a look at a series like Boston, Carolina, where Max Domi should have had a hat trick in that game shows up, has a big performance. Carolina moves on to the next round. And it's, that's the thing about hockey that is so different from so many of its counterparts in, in the sports world is that it's, it's so much more of a team effort. You can't just throw together stars, one for salary cap reasons, but two, because you need those glue guys like a Nick Paul to, to make something happen in a game seven. And the, the Leafs are just going to have to continue to ride the, the carousel and see what they can find next year to, to supplement around this core. I think the other biggest bummer for me about this series is that it just going by the expression on his face as he left it very well, could have been Jason Spezza's last year as a Maple Leaf. And I have loved his tenure here so far. And I wish we could get him for one more year. But we can just talk about him as a jackknife, being able to like provide service in so many roles that you kind of have to play him. But uh, as father time ticks on, all those different uh, utilities dull in ever so bit. And uh, that's a tough one. I did want to ask because going in a huge narrative of this year for the Leafs was results or Dubas is out the door. Um, like gut check. Do you think when the regular season starts, he's still the, I don't know if GM's the official title. Yep. Okay. Is Kyle Dubas still the GM at the start of the regular season? I would say so. Um, 
it's tough to know, but it's, <laughs> despite no results, it, the, the team has gotten better every single year that he's been part of it. And you do have Nick Robertson in the wings. You have Matthew Nyes in the wings. They just signed Topi Niemela. He's waiting in the wings. And uh, there are so many of these great guys that he's drafted that are still on their way up in the pipeline. And uh, I mean, I wouldn't say next year, but I don't, and I don't know when his contract's up, but it kind of feels like whenever the next round of re-signings come for this team is going to be when you see the Leafs make a move and, and it could take a really terrible loss next year, but I think this group has faith in what they're building and and the results have shone through Austin Matthews back-to-back heart trophy finalist and possibly winner this year, back-to-back rocket Richard trophy winner, Mitch Marner, um, back-to-back unbelievable seasons, Production-wise, John Tavares consistently scores 25 to 30 goals, had a 40-goal season for this team. William Nylander consistently just under a point-per-game production. And somehow Dubas turned a weakness, which was the defense, into, into a stronger point on this team and has continued to be versatile and flexible and somehow make this team better when he's had all the constraints in the world. And... Again, you got to wait to see some of this draft come through. It could end up being a Brian Burke situation where a couple of years after he leaves, this team <laughs> makes it to the playoffs and almost knocks off the Bruins in 2013. But I think, he's, I think he stays around next year, and we'll see how the stories develop. But it, it, next year really could be his last as well. Yeah, I think patience is the attitude you have to adopt with adopt with this roster and that's what i hope to see as well Um, you kind of briefly touched on some of the other game sevens around the league i don't know if there's any more you want to go more in depth on no i really i took a break from hockey after saturday night but um now fresher recovered after uh almost 48 hours of retrospection and doing other things I am ready to take in some really, really, really excellent second round series. We've got the battle of Florida. We've got the battle of North Florida. I mean, Alberta, we've got the St. Louis blues and the Colorado avalanche, which is going to be a banger of a series that that's so good. And then the New York Rangers, Carolina hurricanes, that is going to be a high flying action packed series where Igor Shosturkin's got to get his uh, his stuff together a little bit. He was shaky in that first round series, and the Rangers win. But uh, Carolina is is a little bit more complete than the Pittsburgh Penguins, we'll say. Uh, so really fascinating to see how each of these second round matchups turn out, and each game is going to be fantastic. I cannot wait. Yeah, uh, the Lightning Panthers, the series to watch for me to pick your cup winner for sure. Um, running back last year's series as well a bit of extra drama how can you sleep on the battle of alberta i am picking the kings over the rangers just for having far more playoff experience over the past few years but that one could be fun Uh, i picked the penguins to win if this series went deep and the rangers were tested and the absence of crosby i think the most determining factor in this series but uh 
I thought if it went to game seven overtime or just game seven in general, the Rangers would choke and they didn't. So you've got to give them credit there. And yeah, you said it all about the Blues Avs series. Uh, I, I guess the Avs have made it to a third round before, but it feels like the second round has been a real curse for them. Yep. Yep. I got Abs, I got Flames, I got Hurricanes, and I have the Lightning. Yeah. We shall see what uh, what the results of those series are as they get going tomorrow as well. Lots and lots of great playoff action ahead in both the NHL and the NBA. I'll also add that I will feel much, much, much better about the Leafs' first-round exit if no other team takes the bolts to seven and they do win the cup to become an official dynasty and three-peat. Um, exactly. Then it's just like, you know, the this franchise curse has led to some horrible collapses, but this year it just led to a horrible first-round matchup, and that's a little easier to stomach. Um, Someone who is having no problems stomaching anything at the moment, Novak Djokovic uh, being the all-time leader in 1,000 Masters titles, as well as having over 1,000 career wins, joining an incredibly illustrious club will kind of do that for you. Uh, Djokovic winning the Rome 1,000 event in straight sets, did not drop a set, all tournament uh, takes out City Pass in the final six nothing, then goes down four one five two, claws his way back and just inches out the tie break uh, to preserve that like perfect set record. I think he probably would have taken the third set the way it was going. Uh, just a couple of bad points got him into trouble early. That second set, and he did find his form. Um, but incredible stuff by Novak and it couldn't come at a better time with the French just around the corner. Uh, you, As much as I wanted to think the time off and not playing, he'd just be able to step in and be as good as ever. Uh, like the conventional wisdom, just write more often than not in these situations. He's needed some time to play himself in to catch up with the rest of the tour. It seems like that's the level he's at. And, um, Maybe this podcast's history of terrible, terrible tennis takes will continue and we'll see Djokovic win uh, another Grand Slam and tie Rafa later this month. Still not winning Roland Garros. I'm playing my flag in it. Got to keep it alive. Got to keep the hot takes alive. (laughs) All right. Well, a lot of exciting playoff action. I um, this the one night over the past like month or so, I guess when the first round of the NBA playoffs were going on, there might've been one or two nights where hockey playoffs hadn't started yet. Um, But for the foreseeable future, there will be playoff games every night as there have been for the past two weeks or so. It is the peak of sports. We are here living for it, looking forward to continuing the coverage, the update and the discussions, my friend. Until next time. Sports Next Door signing out.